when people are like, well, how did you do it? Like, how were you in yeah. your 20s and built this portfolio and, and were able to, to do all of this stuff? It comes back to that relationship and understanding that I have with getting access to money and funds and then that willingness and understanding to say, I'm going to pursue not only my goals, but make it a win-win for myself, my community, and any partners or organizations or whomever I'm working with on the financial side to make sure that we all win at the end of the day. Welcome to CEO School. I'm your host, Sanira Madani, and I believe that you deserve to have it all. Less than 2% of female founders ever break 1 million in revenue, and less than 25% of women are breaking the C-suite glass ceiling. And our team at CEO School is on a mission to change that. Each week, you'll learn from incredible mentors who are breaking the statistics, as well as women well on their way, sharing how they defied the odds so that you can do it too. If you are an ambitious woman who wants to create a life of impact through financial freedom, self-growth, and find confidence in your voice, grab a seat because class is officially in session. This episode is sponsored by The Club, a quarterly box and digital monthly community to help you level up in leadership and life. Learn more today at join.theceoschool.co slash the club. Hi, everyone. Welcome to CEO School. Today's guest built a seven-figure real estate business in just four years. Kiara Gray is the co-founder of Charm City Buyers, a multi-seven-figure real estate development firm based out of Baltimore. Out of this empire, she also created the Next Gen Accelerator Program, which has helped hundreds across the country find, finance, and renovate investment properties in six months or less. Kiara's story has been featured in Forbes, Baltimore Business Journal, and many more. And we're so excited to have her on CEO School podcast today so that we can all learn from this incredible real estate guru, how we can all learn about investment properties and grow our wealth through real estate. Kiara, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. I think this is such an incredible topic because actually this month inside of the club, our big topic of conversation. Every single month, we have a theme. For those that don't know what the club is, it's a knock on the good old boys club. We've created a club around that, that it's, it's all women and it's just ambitious women. We come together to just grow our mindset, grow our inner leadership and grow our businesses and our wealth. And so uh, that is our club here at CO School. And this month, the theme was around money, money and investing, investing in ourselves. And that looks like investing um, into time for ourselves, but it also specifically is around creating wealth and creating a legacy and generational wealth. And I love that we have you today on the show because I think that this topic um, is so critical and so important, especially to, for women, for us to be able to not only generate income for ourselves, generate wealth for ourselves, but really thinking about wealth outside of just us. And what does it look like for generations? And real estate is just a fantastic opportunity for us to create generational wealth. And so welcome to the show, Kiara. I'm so excited to learn from you. I'm so excited that our audience is going to get to learn how they themselves can also build a mini real estate empire. 
Absolutely. Real, real estate is a cornerstone of wealth building, right? And so there's not many people you think about or hear about when it comes to creating wealth for themselves and future generations that doesn't include real estate. So it's so important that we understand how to incorporate real estate into our portfolios as we think about generational wealth. I love it. And I know we're going to get into the tactical side of it, but it's so important for us here to share your story the mission around CEO school that less than 2% of female founders ever break a million in revenue. And in just four short years, you built a multi seven figure real estate business. Tell us a little bit about how you got into real estate. Tell us a little bit about your background. Yes, absolutely. So I was actually raised um, talking about real estate and didn't really realize this until I got a little bit older. So when I was really young, I was told about this community that really my, um, you know, thinking about generational wealth, thinking about uh, my ancestors who started their own community called Hinsonville in Pennsylvania. And so I learned about land ownership, about building, about communities really, really young. And I think that planted a seed into me being really interested in real estate in general. And so when I was younger, I decided when I graduated college, I was going to do two things. I was going to get a dog and I was going to start investing in real estate. And so that's really what started everything off. Two very important goals, by the way. Very <laughs> critical. And I hit yeah. them both to be very clear, right? So um, within about six months of graduating, College is when I I started within about a year of graduating college is when we started to invest in real estate and think about, you know, yeah, now I graduated and I'm into, you know, the nine to five world, but I don't see me doing this until it's time to collect Social Security. And that was around the time period when they talked about Social Security going bankrupt and will it be there or not? And so real estate became a way of not only me checking a box as far as what I wanted to accomplish, but also giving me options for what it's going to look like for me to take control over my, my nine to five, own my own 24 hours. And so that year, buying that first property really set the foundation to understand not only can I take this vacant house and turn it into a home and do something really positive for this community, but I can earn as well. I remember my very first check, it was like $792 or something super random, but that planted the seed to say, I can do this. And so from there, um, we just continued to buy real estate, continued to invest and thought, really bigger um, on what we could accomplish and, and where we were going. So going into real estate, my goal was to work full-time by myself um, by the time I was 30 and left my last job, last time I collected a paycheck signed by somebody else, I was 27. Um, so really being able to be intentional, be very thoughtful about what my goals were and how I was going to do it, and then be relentless in the pursuit of making that happen. I love it. I'm so inspired. You're so young and just the amount of success. It's incredible. Congratulations on setting your mind to something. Most entrepreneurs can say that they have these ideas, but execution is 100% the key. I always say there's no such thing as a million dollar idea. It's only a million dollar execution, whatever that idea looks like. And you're right. It is that relentless focus that you have to have. And I love that you talk about your first check on your own. That's such a pivotal moment for the first time for you to have the earnings for yourself outside of somebody else writing you that paycheck. And I'm just so proud of you. I think that's just so, it's so 
so admirable what you've built. So tell us a little bit about how you got started, right? I mean, it's now everyone looks at the success. You're helping so many other people do real estate, learn about real estate through NextGen, which I'm sure we're going to talk about here shortly. But walk us back to your first investment buy. How did you do that? For many of us listening here that may not have purchased our first property from an investment standpoint, what does that even look like? And how do we even get there? Yeah, great question. So remember, I'm about a year out of college. So not coming from a family that was investing in real estate, I didn't have kind of that guidance. And so I actually found that property online through an auctioneer. Um, So it was an auction property. I knew that I was going to do something. And so, and this is something that I think a lot of people skip over, that delayed gratification, right? Really being able to put yourself in a position to make some big moves. And so I had a roommate. I was saving up. Um, my boyfriend at the time, who is now my husband, was doing this something similar. And we're putting money um, aside to be able to have a big wedding, right? We're going to get married and all that great stuff. Well, what we decided to do was actually take that capital and put it into our first deal. And so we took that cash, we bought that property through an auctioneer. And our goal for those who are familiar with real estate, a lot of things that folks try to do or want to do when they start in real estate is do something called wholesaling, which means you're finding a really great deal, you're getting it under contract, and you're going to make quick cash by basically selling your rights to purchase that contract to someone else. So that was originally our plan. But what we found was that the neighborhood that we're investing in wasn't desirable for the people that we were talking to. It was a neighborhood that was being overlooked and had been historically disinvested. And so it fit into the category of war zone that a lot of folks like to to talk about um, in the investing world. And so we doubled down and really, um, for me, it was, I know our numbers, right? Our numbers are great. Let's bet on ourselves. And so what we did was we told our story, we networked, um, really talking about, you know, what I wanted to do and, and what I wanted to accomplish. And we're, we were able to connect with a nonprofit. And so this nonprofit was focused on investing in these same neighborhoods. And so the property that we had purchased was a three-unit shell. It needed a $120,000 renovation. We had the cash to purchase, but not to do the rehab. Well, the nonprofit we connected with actually gave us the funding to be able to do that renovation for the very first deal. And so for me, it was really multifold, right? It was investing in myself, right? Being thoughtful and knowing that I did my due diligence, I know what I'm doing, and I'm willing to take the risk to succeed or learn through failure. And so we decided to move forward with that property using that nonprofit. And then within about six, seven months, we had turned that three-unit shell that had been vacant for a really long time uh, into a home for three different families, one of which who still lives there today. And so that very first deal was riddled with challenges and failures and successes and putting together a team and managing construction. And at that time, we were getting married. I, you know, by the time we were done the construction project, I had had a daughter. And so there was a lot that came in, you know, thinking about being, you know, a CEO and a mother and a wife and all of these things. I was doing all that during the same time of doing this huge renovation. And so it was really for me, 
about keeping my eye on the prize, which was that big goal that I had at the time, which was to leave that full-time job by the time I was 30, but also being really, really all in on myself and being willing to take the risk and knowing that, you know, we're going to, to win or we're going to learn through this failure and be able to continue on because the, the goal isn't optional. It's the pathway that you take that you can kind of switch up a little bit. I love it. I love how eloquently you even just described this journey. Um, and I agree with everything that you said about having that goal, being relentless to just drive to, to it. So many failures along the way, but that willingness to fail. And that's what I want to go back and talk about. There's failing is scary a hundred percent, but you're going to fail. You're going to fall. Even a child doesn't learn to walk without falling. Like any piece of your journey, you are are bound to fail in order for the success to actually take place. And if you're not failing, then there's something not working. And so I love that you talked about that willingness to actually fail. I'm sure there was so many things that came up during that project. Uh, and I also really thought what was really interesting in this part is that you didn't actually fund the renovation, the rehab itself. You found a nonprofit to commit to their rehab to then serve, you know, this underdeveloped, underserved area in Baltimore that you invested in and they were excited to invest to put families in from assuming good income housing or like good housing for, for families. And you didn't even have to put up the cash for the rehab. That's incredible. Yeah, absolutely. The power of relationships in this industry is bar none. It's it's a requirement, right? To, to have these relationships and build relationships and make your goals a reality. And so that actually set the foundation for us to really think about money differently, right? So everyone talks about OPM, right? Using other people's money to- Okay, do I did not work. know what that stood for. So thank you for clarifying. Yes. Let's, let's say that again. Okay, OPM, yes. other o people's money other people's money, right? And that's, okay. the, that's the piece that a lot of people don't talk about when you think about all the folks who invest in real estate or build wealth and all of these pieces, it's not always cash in their own pockets. Honestly, a lot of times it makes more sense to be able to leverage cash from other places and use your own money to be able to get a better return or not take as much risk. But using OPM or using other people's money and basically being creative with how you get access to funds really puts you in a position to do amazing things, right? To think about money differently and your relationship with money differently, knowing and understanding that they literally print money 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and it's your job to be able to figure out how you can access and leverage that to not only hit your goals, but also make it a win-win for whomever you're working with. And so that first project set that foundation. And so when, when people are like, well, how did you do it? Like, how were you in yeah. your 20s and built this portfolio and, and were able to, to do all of this stuff? It comes back to that relationship and understanding that I have with getting access to money and funds and then that willingness and understanding to say, I'm going to pursue not only my goals, but make it a win-win for myself, my community and any partners or organizations or whomever I'm working with on the financial side to make sure that we all win at the end of the day. I love it. Other people's money. And, it, and it's such a I mean, that's where leverage, you talk about leverage and in business, you need to have leverage. Cash does not need to be the only option for, um, it's a component of it. So you can't get started without some cash, 
but leveraging money and finances is so important. And we're not taught that. We're not taught good principles of finance. Uh, we're not taught good principles of banking. We're not taught good principles of investing. And these are conversations that I'm so glad we're getting to have today and that we're, we're now craving to have these conversations. And it's, it's so important. And that's why wealth for generations has been passed along to the same people, right? And that's why it's because we are not having these conversations. We're not even in the room to have these conversations. And so this is our room now. And I'm just, I'm so pumped. And let's talk about OPM, other people's money. So could you tell us like some tips, right? So I'd like to build a, and how big is your portfolio? We have several million dollars worth of, of real estate at this point. Yeah, so we're, we're, we have a lot of properties right now. Okay, and how, so how does one go about, let's say, what would be some goals, right? So I'm in Orlando, you're in Baltimore. What should we start looking for? So if I wanted to build a investment portfolio, how do I even think about an investment portfolio? Because the first thing that comes to my mind, and that's probably naive, is just rental income, right? Because I'm not in real estate. Is that kind of the first place that you're thinking about your investment portfolio? So here's the thing, and this might be a, a little bit different, and I'm probably not going to answer this the way you expected, but the way we do things in NextGen and, and with our mentorship program, um, when we talk about how do you think about your portfolio, how do you get started, where should your mind be, we actually start more so on your why, your mm. goals, what you see for yourself before we go all the way down to like, okay, what is the result, right? And so the first question I would actually have you ask yourself is, um, you know, what's even driving me to invest in the first place? What do I see for myself? What's the lifestyle that I want to live? What's the experience that I want to have? And so sometimes people say, okay, well, I just want to, you know, fire my boss. And it's okay, that's great. But then what? What does that look like for you? Because there's a lot of different ways to invest in real estate. There's some where you might be running around like a crazy person and just trying to get it all done. You can make a ton of cash, but it's an active way of investing, right? There's other ways that can be more passive and truly passive where maybe you're the person, maybe you're the other person, right? Maybe you're somebody's other person to be able to lend or give access to capital that you have where you're just collecting a check. That is a way to be part of the investing cycle. And so there's all these different ways to invest. And we usually encourage people to focus on what your actual goals are, where you see yourself not only in the next six months, but where you see yourself in the next five to 10 years. And then back into, okay, is rental income something, you know, being a landlord, something that would work for you? Is it flipping? Is it wholesaling? Is it being, you know, kind of behind the scenes as a lender? Because there's a lot of ways to, to accomplish your goals in real estate it just depends on what your goals actually are. I love that. I love that you talked about the why first. And that is super critical. We talk about that all the time here at CEO School. You know, business and entrepreneurship and goals are not meaningful unless you really have a purpose behind them. So if your only purpose is to build wealth, that should not be the only reason. So there has to be a drive that goes further that is making an impact. And whatever, whatever that part of your world or your heart or that looks like for you, but that drive needs to exist. That why needs to exist. So I love that you turned around and said, 
what are the actual goals? And so it's really tough right now when I think about the 50,000 listeners on the podcast to think about her, right? And so there's so many different, and you're right, there's so many different ways of thinking about real estate investing. And you probably have the women here listening that could be the OPM. I could be an OPM, right? And invest on the sideline to help build a portfolio that way. But I do want to kind of get a little bit tactical. So like, let's give a scenario of a, a mom. Okay, so let's go back at, you know, so she's a stay-at-home mom where she has a side hustle right now. She's getting her business started. And so that's her daily grind. And she's got kids. They're just like now in school. So she's got a little bit more time, but her she's not the breadwinner of the family. And her purpose, if I were going to say her why, is she wants to be able to have a portfolio for her daughters, like for her family. So maybe that's her why. So I'm, I'm going to come back with like, so I want to give you like a good example. And she has some cash in the bank. So she has access to some capital. She knows some people, but not very many. And she lives in, I don't know, Atlanta. Let's pick another. So this is this profile of this mom. And her why is to create a portfolio. She would like to be the landlord. She would like to have passive income. She doesn't need short-term income. So her goal is not to have immediate cash. She just wants to, as she she's fine in her cash every day, but she'd like to smartly invest her money so that it's not just in a retirement fund. So is that, is that an example that we can work with? Yeah, that's okay. Okay. When we think about, when we think about generational wealth, right. When, when folks are like, okay, my, why is my kids or my grandkids, or I want to make sure that I have a fund for them when they go to college and things like that. That's longer term investment investments. That's landlording, that's rental income, right? And so that that's number one, right? So probably buying a property, maybe a single or multifamily, multifamily real estate is amazing because I always say you have multiple rental incomes to pay for one roof to repair, right? So you have that, that oh, benefit like that. Of, of scale. And so investing in a property like a multi could be really, really great where you're not only purchasing a property, but maybe even purchasing a property that's already renovated. Maybe you don't want to deal with the contractors. You don't want to deal with managing that process of doing construction, but you know you want to have this asset that will grow in in value over time. You may be able to bring in some cash flow or just use whatever cash that's coming in to pay down the mortgage. So eventually to have a free and clear asset over the years, maybe kids are young, you have about 18 years before they go to college. And so you can just pay down that mortgage during that time period and build equity. The wealth is through the equity, right? The wealth is through how much you owe in the property as far as debt versus how much that property is worth. And so if you're able to leverage the rental income to pay that property down, not only are you able to build cash flow over time, how much money is left at the end of the day if you pay all your expenses, but also have the benefit of the value of the home, which in the future, if you're leaving that to your kids, that's something they can draw upon. That's something that they can leverage to get access to capital or they can sell or or whatever it is that they decide to do. So in that scenario specifically, I would say buy a single family or multifamily property, use the cash that you have, leverage it with a loan. Usually that's about 20% down. And then maybe even buying a property that's turnkey, the renovation's already done, everything's ready, you just throw some tenants in it, 
get a property manager and then let that property do its job, right? Let the tenants pay down your mortgage, allow the property to have the time to appreciate and value so that you're building equity, you're building, um, you know, that when you think about wealth, right? It's about your asset. Your assets are increasing in value. Um, your, your tenants are bringing in revenue. And then over that time period, as your kids grow up, now they have this amazing revenue generating um, opportunity that gives them options, right? That's what we want for our kids. We want the power to provide them the financial ability to have options. That's what I would say for this lady in Atlanta. I love it. And I love that example that we just spoke about because I'm sure like uh, there's a Katie in Atlanta right now. They're like, there she's speaking to me. It is, it's about equity and it's not just about the cash. I think that that is a really critical uh, piece of this. Now, you know, I have a few questions we make. I know there's a, no such thing as a dumb question, but something that comes to mind is all this risk, right? So there are bubbles in real estate. It's a right now. I mean, I feel like everyone is moving to, you know, everyone's buying a property. Real estate is really hot and expensive from a buy side. Um, and so how do you think about the market right now? Yeah. So it's always the best time to buy is like five, 10 years ago in real estate. The next, <laughs> <laughs> the next best time really is always now. Right. And so a lot of times people are like timing the market. When is it going to shift? Yeah. Now the market's always going to correct itself. I completely agree with you. We're in a really hot market. Supply is low. Um, there's a lot of people looking to buy because interest rates are low. And so it's creating this space where property values are increasing. The piece that folks have to remember is that real estate is a cycle. So it's very cyclical. You have the highs and lows and then you kind of get back around to it. Um, but the key is that what most people that find the most success in real estate, they don't sell, right? So they can ride the waves of the ups and downs, right? Maybe even the, the example that we just had, if you're holding that real estate over time, you're able to ride the wave that comes with that cycle. And so um, that's part of what I think folks should be thinking about um, versus trying to time the market. It's more so timing your goals a little bit, right? Um, where are you looking for property? If you're trying to flip a property, maybe right now, um, because there's so much competition on the market or on the MLS when you're working with an agent, maybe you look off market where there's not as much competition that's driving the prices up so that you're not overpaying for property, just competing to compete, right? And so there's different times in the cycle or different methods or approaches you may take in different parts of the real estate cycle to make sure that you're still going to be successful. Like best believe real estate developers and investors are literally buying all the time, right? They're, we're buying now. We bought, you know, when the real estate market was down a couple of years ago, it's just about what is your strategy? What's your approach? What are the steps that you take to do that to make sure that you're still getting a great deal and your numbers still work at the end of the day? I love this advice. This was so incredible and so tactical and just kind of opens up your mind, right? Opens up your mind to other ways of doing this. And what's really exciting is that we can all do it. Like there's no reason why we are not building wealth for ourselves today. And where, where do we begin? Right? So you just talked about the MLS. So if Katie from Atlanta today decides that she's going to start looking in and she has a goal in 60 days, she's going to buy her first rental income property. Where would you tell her to go? 
So my, my favorite thing for people to do when they're first starting, when they have the, um, when they're flexible enough and they're in a space and they're in their life where it makes sense, or they're willing to delay that gratification, kind of do what they have to do to do what they want to do. Um, my best advice to folks is leverage that FHA mortgage, leverage the mortgages where you're, you have a low down payment, um, you're able to get into properties with relatively less cash, um, you know, less cash than other types of um, of loans. But buy a multifamily property, live in one unit and rent out the others, right? And so what that does is it gets you into a property. You're able to bring in rental income. You're not using a ton of your own money. And you're getting rid of your your most people's highest expense each month, which is their housing expense, whether that's a rental or a mortgage. So when you have someone else that's paying that for you, you're keeping that money in your personal pocket and those other tenants are paying your mortgage for your property, you're able to really level up. Like that's when I think about scaling and really positioning yourself to fast track the process. Being able to house hack, which is what people call it, um, is a great way to make that happen. And the next really great thing that you could do with that is um, in most states, most cities across the country, there are grants and incentives that you can leverage for your down payment and closing costs. And so if you do some research, literally Google like your city um, and home buying grants, usually you'll find a lot of um, local opportunities where they're incentivizing you to buy in certain areas. And then that whole three and a half percent that you typically need to put down for FHA, that can come from somewhere else. Right. So not only do you have a, a, an asset that's going to increase in value over time, you're not paying your personal housing expense. You have someone else paying your mortgage. You're making some cash flow. And typically FHA mortgages only require you to live in the home for a year. Right. So after that year, if you don't want to still live next to your tenants. Cool. Find somewhere else. Right. Now this property is bringing you in cash flow. And so you're able to kind of rinse and repeat over time. It's a really great way to, to fast track your own cycle to building wealth. And it a year, honestly, when you think about it, isn't that much time. So most people can do a little bit of anything for a year. If you just, you know, live in an apartment for a year, especially if you're already renting, what's the difference? You're going to do it again, but it's going to benefit you in the long term. I love all of these tips. These are so wonderful. And you're right. It's such a win-win we're going to be looking up multi-housing units. And if they're not available, we'll still find the next property that we, we can get going. Kiara, this has just been so wonderful having you on the show, talking about this topic. I feel inspired to start my real estate portfolio here shortly. And I'm sure many of the listeners do as well. Where can we learn more from you? How can we support you? How can we continue to ask questions? Absolutely. So we are on Instagram, on Twitter, on YouTube. It's Charm City Buyers everywhere. So you can find us at Charm City Buyers or at charmcitybuyers.com to learn more about what we do, how we're impacting Baltimore and helping folks build wealth and how you can too. I love it. Thank you so much for all that you do. And I love how passionate you are about 
creating that wealth for everyone. I think it's super important. And it's just really, really beautiful to see not only your success, but what you're able to do with your accelerator next gen and how you're serving your community, how you're serving Baltimore. Cheers to you today. And can't wait to see you guys next week on the show at CEO School. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast and show. Our team at CEO School works extremely hard to bring you the best content, authentic conversations, and expert guests curated every single week to keep you leveling up in leadership, business, and in life. If you've enjoyed today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating telling us what you enjoy the most. We will be sending CEO School swag for the next 100 reviews, so don't miss out. Write a review and send us a screenshot at podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Again, it's podcast at theceoschool.co to claim your swag. Thanks so much. We love having you here.